0: You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your latest episode of Locked On Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, is always, your host, Evan Sattery, joined by George Bremer, the Colts B.R. for the Herald Bulletin. George, how are you doing today?
1: Good, Evan. Good to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, he's, George is going to join us every Tuesday as he has the last couple weeks throughout the regular season. We're talking this time after a Colts win, 27-17, over the Miami Dolphins. George, what was your takeaway from that game? Because we were talking a little bit off the air before we just started. What an ugly first half that was. Unless you enjoy watching bad football, that was just a really <laughs> ugly first half. The second half got a little bit better. The Colts kind of found a rhythm on offense, and we kind of saw the reasons why the Colts did not want to bring Magic Brissett as their starter a couple years ago with the way he played on Sunday. What was your overall general thoughts on a much-needed win for the Colts?
1: Yeah, very much much-needed win for the Colts. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me was the run game. You know, I, we knew this before going into Sunday, but. This is a different team when they get Jonathan Taylor going. When he makes big plays, it just seems to energize the entire offense. They're able to do uh, other things, you know, away from the run game. It slows down the pass rush. Uh, You know, whenever he has a day like he did Sunday, it just seems the Colts are better as an overall football team. And I thought that first drive of the third quarter really kind of set the tone. I know that, you know, the Dolphins kind of give him a a gift there and, and extended it. But it was good to see the Colts take advantage of that for a change. I think that was probably the number two takeaway was just that they capitalized on opportunities. If you go back through the first three weeks, one common thread was, you know, not taking advantage of takeaways from the defense, not taking away of dumb penalties by the other team, uh, you know, leading points on the field. And it happened a little bit again on Sunday, but I thought more than at any other point this year, they, they were able to finish drives and, you know, make, make the opponent pay for their mistakes.
0: Yeah, that really was the case for the Colts, especially when we saw them capitalize off the off those turnovers from the Dolphins. Jacoby Brissett, like I mentioned, had a pretty rough go of it until the last little bit where I think the Colts are playing this really soft coverage, allowing them to get down the field a little bit in those last few possessions. But it was nice to see George a continuation of Carson Wentz playing really smart football outside of that one interception on the shovel pass against the Los Angeles Rams, which I, I don't really think was Wentz's fault. It was more so as Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald there. I can't even think of many turnover-worthy plays from Carson Wentz so far this year, George, which says a lot about his, the way he's changing things as a quarterback, not really putting everything on his shoulders. Do you like the way that Wentz has played so far, and do you want him to open it up more, though? Because I feel like he is kind of being a little conservative. What, what's your opinion of the way that Wentz played on Sunday, but also over these first four games?
1: Yeah, and honestly, the fact that he has just one interception might be one of the biggest surprises to me. And like you said, really kind of a fluke interception in a situation where Aaron Donald made a play that probably only Aaron Donald makes and set up a, a play for his teammate. Um, and, and again, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I can't think of a lot of other throws that should have been intercepted. You know, a lot of times you, there's there's two numbers there. There's the number of interceptions the quarterback's thrown, and then there's the number of turnover-worthy throws that that, that uh, quarterback has made. And I, I'm sure there's a few if you go back and, and break down the tape, but – It doesn't stand out. There's not real obvious times where he's put the ball in in harm's way. He does, I think, need to get more aggressive. We saw a little bit of that in the second half. But I think some of that has to do with the struggles on the offensive line, too. You know, I think he's taking what the defense is giving him to some extent, but he's also understanding they've got to get rid of the ball quickly. You know, the Colts are struggling still up front. He got hit a lot again uh, in the Miami game. They were able to overcome it more than they have uh, for most of the first month of the season. But it didn't change the fact that he was still beaten up. Still sacked, I think, uh, twice, hit nine or ten times again, which has been a a weekly thing. I honestly think if you had told me at the beginning of the year that through four weeks he would be sacked, I think, 11 times and hit 40 times and that the run game would be start and stop and and not consistent at all, uh, I would have thought that his numbers would look a lot different because that was one of the big problems he had in Philadelphia last year when things were going poorly for that team and especially on offense. He started trying to play hero ball, trying to force throws. It led to turnovers, both interceptions and fumbles, which he really hasn't had a problem with that so far either. All those hits, you haven't seen the strip sacks that you've seen in the past. Um, you will see where it leads. I'm optimistic that as the offensive line gets healthy and as they start to gel together, they get guys back, they start to play together as a unit again, you'll start see him taking more shots. It's reminiscent to me of Andrew Luck in 2018 – During that 1-5 start when Anthony Costanzo was gone for most of that stretch and the offensive line was rough, you saw him, you know, a lot of checkdowns, taking care of the ball. When they went 9-1 and down to finish with the exception of that crazy game in Jacksonville, you saw a lot more down the field throwing from Luck, but once he got that protection, he was more willing to take those shots. I think we'll see the same thing with Carson Wentz eventually this year.
0: Speaking of Wentz, he had a really good game, 24-32, two touchdowns. Can't really think of any sort of plays that were out of the ordinary for Wentz in terms of getting the ball in harm's way. I went hit on one of his top weapons, and he's definitely building the rapport with him, especially over the last two or three weeks. Michael Pittman Jr. had a really nice game. Six catches, he had eight targets as well. George is on pace for 153 targets this year. Michael Pittman Jr. is definitely – smashing the expectations that I thought he would be as far as a focal point in the passing attack so far this year. We know Kirsten Wentz loves those big body receivers as well. What's been your assessment of Michael Pittman Jr. so far? He just His tenacity when he's catching the ball and running is something that the Colts offense really hasn't had in a very long time out of wide receiver. I can't really remember if anyone's really been like Pittman as far as the way he plays the game at wideout. But then you see just his long-term potential. Even when T.Y. Hilton's back, George, I really hope they don't take away those targets away from Pittman because I think he's establishing himself right now as a guy who's becoming reliable where you can get him seven, eight to 10 targets per game and feel pretty comfortable is going to haul in about seven or eight of those every single week. I think this is a guy to me right now is ascending right before our eyes. What's your thoughts on Pittman?
1: No, I agree with everything you said. I think that physical element that he brings to the game is so unique, both in terms of the history of this football team, but on this roster in particular too. I mean, we all know Zach Pascal's not afraid to get in there and, and, and put his nose in the middle of things and be physical and block and, you know, be that guy. Ashton Doolin has shown signs of that. Uh, but it feels like Pittman takes it to even another level. On a team with some physical wide receivers, he is the most physical of the bunch. Uh, sometimes it almost looks like he's looking for contact after he gets the ball in his hands. Um, you know, and I think that's something that it's, it sets a tone. I mean, he's bigger than a lot of these defensive backs, and I don't think he's a lot of fun to tackle. You get in the fourth quarter – I can imagine as a cornerback, you're kind of hoping Wentz looks somewhere else. You're probably tired of getting hit and and dealing with that guy all day long. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see what kind of toll that takes as the season goes on, whether you see him, you know, become bigger and bigger part of these fourth quarters uh, as defenses get tired and and get sick of seeing him. Uh, It's it's been out of character for, for a Frank Reich offense. I mean, not even just here, going back when he was the offense coordinator with the Chargers, during his time with the Eagles. Very seldom have they had, like, you know, for lack of a better word, a bell cow receiver. Uh, it's usually spread the ball around. One guy one week, another guy the next week. Uh, some of this has been forced on them, you know, with, with the injuries. Uh, and Paris Campbell, of course, missed the game. And um, T.Y. Hilton's been out the whole year, you know, so, and I think defense has started to kind of go more Zach Pascal's way after the first couple weeks because it was obvious the initial chemistry. Was there between him and Wentz? You know, I think three touchdowns in the first two games. Pasco kind of became the guy they were worried about, and now all of a sudden, it allowed the Colts to get Michael Pittman started. And I think this is three straight weeks now where he's been the leading receiver. And it, it, like you said, it looks comfortable. It looks like the right decision. He looks like a guy who's very much on the rise, uh, and I think they love what he brings to this team. That 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 physical kind of hammer nature. I think the next step, the evolution here, and again, it it probably goes along with the offensive line getting healthy and getting back to where it needs to be. But the next step is going to be for him to make some more plays downfield. I think he's doing a really good job right now in the short and intermediate plays, getting yards after the catch. Uh, Now you want to see – he had that 142-yarder against the Rams, but I think you want to see him now get downfield, get maybe a few more jump balls, 50-50 balls, start to win those battles. I think that's the next step in his evolution, but – uh, you're looking at a guy who's made a big leap, I think, from year one to year two. And it's been timely because he's really carried this offense at times on his back. Hey, Colts fans.
0: This is Evan Sider with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, get Upside. My listeners make up 25 cents per gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon your first fill. That's up to 50, 50 cents cash back immediately. Don't pay full price to the pump anymore. Get cash back using get Upside. Just download the app for free, and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get the 50 cents per gallon back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN right now. The red zone offense, George, was an issue big time for the Colts the first three weeks. They actually did really well on Sunday against the Dolphins, and the Dolphins look to be probably one of the five or six worst teams in the league, but even still to have that production after what they've done the first few weeks is an encouraging sign. And especially Molly Cox too. He had two touchdowns in the red zone. What was your assessment of the red zone offense on Sunday, George? I think Frank Reichman, it came to a realization. Why don't I utilize my big weapons around the, around the end zone and Molly Cox and Michael Pittman Jr. Even throwing a little bit of Jonathan Taylor and Nye Hines as well. And maybe this will be the kind of the, knock on wood saving grace mode for Frank Reich, where he could he utilizes guys like Pittman and Mo Ali cox especially more often in the, the area that desperately need to score touchdowns.
1: Yeah, they definitely found something with Mo Ali cox down there this week, and I think it's something that people have been kind of wondering all year long. You know, why hasn't he been involved more, especially down there in the red zone with his size and his physicality uh, and those two touchdowns. that came in different ways. You know, the last one was, was what you more expect to see from him, that kind of jump ball you know, beat the defender, out jump him, get the rebound type of play for the former basketball player. Uh, The first one was more of a a designed, you know, play, get him out there on on a screen, get him isolated, kind of a walk-in score type of situation. I don't know how many chances they're going to have to do that again after this week. I think he's going to draw a lot of attention down there. But I think if you look at the last two weeks, they've been better uh, than they were in the first two weeks. And it, I think the, the biggest reason is two guys. I mean, Mo Cox this week obviously getting involved and getting, you know, putting his stamp on things. And then last week I think it was Naheem Hines. You know, he had that nine-yard run. I think he's a guy they need to use a little bit more in there too. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting that we've seen a little bit last week, a lot this week, uh, It's something of people have been calling for for at least the last two years, Taylor and Hines in the backfield together, I'd like to see a little bit more of that in the red zone and, and see how it turns out. They've done some nice things, um, you know, with misdirection, both those guys back there. They, they do have obvious roles, you know. I mean, there is a thunder and lightning kind of element there. But I think they're unique in the sense that Taylor can catch the ball out of the backfield. He is supremely quick. So while he's the power guy, he can still bring some of the things to the table that Hines normally does. And Hines isn't afraid to go between the tackles. He's not a big guy but he's not afraid to take those carries and, and to try to make those plays. So I think it makes him a really interesting duo because you know what their strengths are, but they can also play against type. And I think it allows you to put a lot of doubt in the defense's mind and open up a lot of things. i will be interesting to see if that's something they, they do a little more of going forward. It seems like particularly in the red zone, it just it gives you a chance to maybe get defenses on their heels a little bit.
0: Last point here on the offense, George, and we'll dive over to the defense in and look ahead a little bit to the Ravens game next Monday on Monday Night Football, but it really a guy that stood out to me the last six or so quarters has been Chris Reed, who replaced Quentin Nelson, and the running game still did very well without Quentin Nelson on Sunday. Chris Reed had a lot to do with that. What's your opinion on once Nelson is back here in a couple weeks? You have to imagine he'll probably be back for that Sunday night game against the 49ers. He's going to be out anyways for the Ravens and Texas game, being on short-term IR, but I really am intrigued to see Chris Reed in the next two weeks, George. If he continues playing like this at left guard, you have to be wondering if Frank, Greg, and Chris Bauer are thinking to themselves, why don't we make the switch and put Chris Reed at right guard over Merkle who who's really struggled mightily so far this year. What's your opinion on that sort of decision that could be coming down the line here in a couple weeks for the Colts?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's something they're going to have to look at. You know, Reed's done a good job. He gave up, I think, four pressures this week, so that was something that they're going to need to work on. But it's not like Glowinski's had a clean sheet in that regard either. And there's no doubt – I don't remember the exact numbers right now, but when they ran to the left side on Sunday, it was far more effective than running to the right side. You know, when they went over there with Glowinski and and Fisher – uh, they were opening up holes they were a big part of the reason that Jonathan Taylor was able to get going and I do think you know for a number of reasons the first and most important one is that Reed's playing better than Golubinsky that's where it starts but then when you start getting into the economic factors you know I think Golubinsky's in the final year of his deal um, and that offensive line has a lot of money invested in it right now we all know that a, a ton of it you know they're going to back up a Brinks truck next year for, for Quentin Nelson Might not be a terrible idea if it works out to kind of slot Chris Reed in over there, uh, and the fact that he's making that happen on the field, uh, I I think it just highlights the the economic impact of it even more. Uh, When you look at a guy who is outplaying the current starter, and you look at what the ramifications could be for that going forward, sort of the way Lewinsky got in there to begin with, you know, he he kind of injuries kind of opened the door, and he got in there and he just took the job and, and kept it. Um, you know, right now, their best five, probably, we'll see. We, we haven't seen much of a healthy Braden Smith right now, but I still would take him over the, the other options at right tackle. You figure the best five for this team right now probably is Eric Fisher, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Chris Reed, and Braden Smith. We'll see what they do going forward. I know that they're, they've been very loyal to guys who've been very good for them over the years, but I think you started to put a pros and cons, you know, on a spreadsheet – there's a lot of reasons on that ledger in favor of Chris Reed.
0: Yeah, definitely something to watch out for in the next couple of weeks because if the Colts ground game gets going, and Chris Reed does well in pass pro better than he did on Sunday, I think it's certainly a discussion to watch out for in the next couple of weeks once Quentin Nelson is off IR. But let's dive into the defense, who had a really good game against the Dolphins. I think a couple of leaks here and there in the second half. But overall, a good game against a subpar quarterback in Jacoby Brissett, who looked like Jacoby of old, what we saw a couple of years ago. What was your assessment of the defense on Sunday, George? I think Kamoko Ture had a massive game. That was nice to see him finally get back to. Probably his best game we've seen since 2019 against Kansas City Chiefs. He's making Patrick Mahomes run for his leg consistently. How big is it for this front four, especially once Pay is healthy? If you can get a reliable other piece on the edge, like a Kamoko Ture, that's going to open up this defense even more and maybe up their potential because – the Colts bet on, bet on these young guys. If if Ture can hit, if Pay can hit, you have your bookends right there to go with DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, I think Ture talked about that a little bit after the game, that, you know, they had that players only meeting. And a big part of it was the defensive ends realizing they weren't carrying their part of this, this situation. They, you know, they weren't carrying their own weight. Uh, we talked about it through the first three weeks. You know, the defense tackles do their job. You see Grover Stewart, you see DeForest Buckner getting involved every week but you're not going to be able to, to win games. You know, that that interior pressure is so important. We talk about it all the time. But it doesn't do you much good if you're not getting that compliment from the edge, and they weren't. And I think when Ture goes out and has a game like he did Sunday, uh, it's it's very encouraging. And I think it's something you can get Quiddy Pay healthy and get him out there. Tyquan Lewis played really well as well. I think he's a guy that can kind of fill in that Denico Autry role a little bit maybe uh you know reduce inside in some of the sub packages but be an end when it's early in downs and especially against the run I mean that one time he just ragdolled the running back on on the play uh the the Dolphins tried a little jet sweep and then it just nothing about it fooled Lewis he beat his man he ran in there I think he threw the guy about five yards backwards uh, at the end of the play it feels like they're starting to get that rotation up front that they want. they got to get healthy. I mean, that goes for almost every unit on the roster right now. But you're seeing Lewis make plays in the run game. You're seeing Ture now make plays as a pass rusher. I think Alkuddin Muhammad's been who he's been his whole career here. Flashes now and again, more of a run stopper. Every now and again he'll get a sack, make a big play for you. Buckner and Stewart are kind of the anchors in the middle. If they can get that consistent play on the edge – I think you're going to see the defense start to climb again. Um, there's still some, some, some issues in the secondary. It was better this week. There's no question about that. Uh, but I, I'm a little bit worried about Xavier Rhodes. I'll be honest about that. Uh, it's just It feels like at times he's kind of in a spot where Antonio Cromartie was. Uh, what was it, 2016, I think, uh, where you could just see that the, the skills were eroding. He eventually got cut after the game in London. Um, you know, maybe it's the calf. Maybe he's just not back to 100 percent healthy right now. And, and we'll see that kind of improve as the year goes on. But um, you, you never would have guessed four weeks into the year that Rocky Sin might be the, the corner you feel the best about. But I think that's the point we're at right now.
0: Yeah, it really might be. I'm actually looking at Xavier Rhodes' advanced stats right now, George. I was just about to ask you about him, so that's a good segue into it because he has not looked good in these first two games back from his injury. Like you said, maybe it is the calf. He's just taking it slow. But – unlike last year he had only allowed a lot of 52 percent completion percentage last year this so far this year to 78 percent and in minnesota in 2019 it was 81 percent so he's looking more and more like the 2019 version of xavier rhodes at least through a two-game sample size if that's the case george this pass rush is gonna be so much more pressure on them because if xavier rhodes is going back to his last year in minnesota in performance this cornerback room's in trouble because you can't not yet at least, rely on Rocky Asin to be a top cornerback in this league unless he really continues to grow throughout this season. Kenny Moore, we know, is a great nickel corner. But outside of that, you have Isaiah Rogers, T.J. Carey, who was benched before he went on IR. There's not a lot of proven depth behind Xavier Rhodes, and that's the one piece in this defense, George, looking ahead a little bit to next offseason as well. I I think the Colts are in a position where, whether it be the draft or in free agency, I think getting a number one cornerback is going to be probably the number one priority now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've talked about it before that that you've got Kenny Moore, and he plays his role very well, but it's a very specific role. You know, he's not going to be that guy that goes and shut down the number one receiver every week. That's not who he is. And if you ask him to do it, it's not going to work out well. Um, You need that, that kind of top guy to compliment him. It's why things worked so well last year when Rhodes was playing the way that he did. You know, he said last year when he came in, he said injuries were the reason that he struggled Minnesota in 2019. He was healthy last year. It was definitely a better year, so we'll see. Uh, you hope that maybe as he gets healthier, things will turn around. But, I mean, really, when the Dolphins got going a little bit there in the fourth quarter, obviously a lot of that was, you know, the scheme changing a little bit, playing softer. But you could see, especially on that, that first touchdown drive, Jacoby was, was picking on Xavier Rhodes. You know, Devontae Parker – was going to him on almost every snap, and it was either a big reception or a penalty, sometimes both. Um, You know, you can't have that. I mean, obviously, you can't have that kind of breakdown. It is going to undermine what what progress they're making up front. And it'll be interesting because, as you mentioned, there really isn't a lot of options. You you can't really say, well, just bench him and, and, and turn to this guy. You know, you go back to uh, 2018, I believe it was, might have been 2017, uh, when that happened to Vontae Davis, you know, and that's kind of how Pierre Desir came in and, and was the guy. They, they benched Davis, they eventually cut him, and then Pierre Desir came in and, and had a decent year and, you know, had a, a good run here for a while until he kind of went down as well. But they, I don't see that guy. I don't know who the Pierre Desir would be on this roster right now uh, who would step in and, and, and play that role. And it, I think that's – if you want to have a reason for concern with this defense going forward – that, to me, is is the top reason to be worried. You know, Getting Xavier Rhodes back to the spot where he can help this team and not hinder it, probably the most important thing over the next couple weeks.
0: Last point on the Dolphins game, George, where we dive over to a preview of the Ravens game next Monday. What's your assessment of the overall win on Sunday by the Colts, 27-17 over the Dolphins, where, quite honestly, George, I think if it, if it might have been to a behind center, they might have lost that game, or even if it played just a slightly – average quarterback I think they might have lost that game because I think Jacoby Brissett missed a lot of open reads on the field throughout that game the, obviously Dolphins couldn't really do much on the ground they didn't have good running backs but I was I, it, obviously a win is a win in the NFL and that Titans loss to the Jets really helped out the Colts case but I just wasn't impressed that much by the win on Sunday George I know a lot of Colts fans are excited to get on the board with a win there but I'm cautiously optimistic about that just because I don't know if that's a win you get most weeks against any other NFL team. What was your thoughts on that win? Are you are you on the bandwagon of, so to say, the Colts are turning it around, or are you more so in the cautiously optimistic camp where that win probably might not have happened seven out of ten times against other teams in the league?
1: Yeah, no, I'm definitely in the cautiously optimistic camp here. I, I, you know, I don't know what to make of it. You get the win. You had to win the game, so that's a positive. There wasn't any other option there. Uh, but, you know, the Dolphins were were so futile um, that it's – I don't know how much you can take from it, honestly. There there were things they did better that, that are important. You see some of that growth that we talk about, you know, especially up front on defense. Uh, you see Carson Wentz continuing to play efficient football. You get that running game going. Those are things they're going to need to do going forward, and maybe this is a spark to, to kind of help out in a lot of those areas. But it, it's not a game that I think you feel like, you know, oh, that's the Colts team you've been waiting to see all year. I don't think it was that kind of a victory. Um, It wasn't really close, which is good because it shouldn't have been. I think you'd be really worried had it been a really tight game down to the wire. Um, But, yeah, I think there's a lot of other quarterbacks around the league that would have probably at least had that game much, much tighter if not have pulled out a victory for Miami. And now the Colts have to kind of, you know, go back to the drawing board in, in a really big test this week with the Ravens built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever there's
0: so many delicious flavors they actually have a limited time flavor right now cookie dough chunk that i recently tried and i have to tell you it is literally the best thing i have ever tasted it is incredible built bar has made a somehow a magical formula where a protein bar tastes like a candy bar that's really healthy for you it's truly an incredible combination i love built bar i know many of our listeners already tried it and they speak the same thing as i do as well most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, all within 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar as well. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15, one for 15% off at BiltBar.com. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the Grid on teams are back on for another football season. As always, bat is your number one spot for the pro and college action this season. With new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website using your mobile device right now sign up today to see your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to see your bonus. That is L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite biggest casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and BetOnline is always where the game starts. Yeah, this Ravens game coming next Monday, I think it's going to be a huge litmus test to see if this Colts team is bouncing back or if they're going to be sort of in that same tier we've seen the last couple of weeks. But they're currently six and a half point there. It's from what I see Baltimore is over the Colts. I don't know why, George, but I feel like this game's going to be close. I feel like the Colts cover that spread. I think it's going to be a really close game in the fourth quarter. I just think the Colts match up well against this Ravens team. We saw it last year. They hung very close to that Ravens team throughout that game. I just think – Obviously, Darius Linder, his ankle is going to be fully healthy for this game because Lamar Jackson is going to run wild on this front seven, if not. But I really think if you play ball control, if you keep it out of harm's way that Carson Wentz has throughout this season, you have a couple big moments from Pittman or or Campbell or even guys like John Taylor in the ground game. I think you actually have a legit shot of winning this game. But if they do win this game, George, this is a game where you could easily turn around your season and get a, a lot of momentum heading into a really soft part of
1: your schedule. Yeah, this would definitely be the turnaround game. You know, we were talking about the Dolphins game, and I, it kind of reminds me a little bit, going back to 2018, of that Bills game that year. I think they won like 36-5 to 5 at home, and everybody said, well, you had to get a win, and that's great. Uh, but now know a lot of people were celebrating. Uh, it was a bad Bills team. I think they had uh, – I want to say Derek Anderson was the quarterback that day. Uh, there were a lot of similarities to, to what happened in this Miami game, and you didn't know if it was going to start something or not. And then they went out to Oakland, and they had that 200-yard rushing game, and. Things just started to kind of snowball from there. And I think that's what the Colts are hoping they can do again here. I do agree that I think it's a good matchup. Um, we saw it last year. The Colts really did about as good a job shutting down that that Ravens run game in the first half as anybody has the last couple of years. And they let them get out, make a couple big plays in the second half. And they end up losing, I think, 20 to 10. Uh, but, you know, it, I think it's a game that the Colts can keep close. I think it's a game that they can turn things around. You win this one, you can really start thinking about getting into the division race again and and maybe chasing some of the things they were talking about at the beginning of the season. Uh, It won't be easily done. I think, like you said, they're going to need a healthy Darius Leonard. I think they're going to need a big game for Bobby O'Karrake, who did not play poorly uh, probably the first time this year in that Miami game. Uh, And I think it could be – I think this could be a week for EJ Speed which maybe goes you know counter to what you would think. You get a big running team. You usually get Zaire Franklin in there a little more and let him be the hammer. But because of Lamar Jackson and the athleticism that he has, I think you want to get as many athletes on the field defensively as you can have. And maybe this is a week to get EJ Speed out there and let him try to chase Lamar Jackson too. Those three running backs chasing him could be a really entertaining thing to watch. Two, three linebackers, sorry, chasing uh, Lamar could be really entertaining to watch.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I think this is actually going to be a really good Monday Night Football matchup. It's unfortunate, George, that Peyton and Neil aren't going to be on the broadcast for this game because I think that would have been really entertaining to see them talk about the Colts. But what, let me get to your prediction before we close out the show because we won't be talking to you again until next Tuesday after the Colts win or lose in Baltimore. So I know it's only Tuesday. we got six more days till the game, George. But what's your prediction here? for Colts versus Ravens. I'm going 24-20 Ravens. I think it's going to actually be a really close game. One, it's going to be a slugfest. But I think the Ravens are just a more talented team right now than the Colts. What's your prediction for this one?
1: I'm really much on the same same length as you. I'm going 17-13 in favor of Baltimore. I just didn't see enough from the Colts yet to make me think they're going to go on the road and beat a team that has a legitimate chance to, to win the AFC Championship this year. I think Baltimore's in that group. You know, I don't know how many teams you want to put in there. The Chargers have put their name into that list pretty solidly right now. Uh, you know, I think Kansas City will still be around when all is said and done. Uh, but I think Baltimore is one of those teams that when you start talking about potentially representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, this is this is one of the teams at the top of the list. I just haven't seen enough from Indianapolis yet to, to feel confident that they're going to go on the road and beat a team like that.
0: George, as always, enjoy having you on. He's going to be on each Tuesday here. We're going to be opening back up the Twitter Tuesday mailbag here, I imagine, soon after the Ravens game. Go ahead and follow George, if you haven't already, on Twitter, at GM and Go read his work. He does excellent stuff covering the
1: Indianapolis Colts for the Herald Bulletin. George, appreciate the time tonight. No problem. Thanks a lot, as always, Evan.